Welcome to Phoenix and Flame, pushing through and transforming even when you feel like a pile of ash. This podcast is not intended for use as psychotherapy. If you feel you are in crisis, please call 911 or contact your local crisis hotline. Well, welcome to Phoenix and Flame, or welcome back if you are a returning listener. I'm Dana, and this is my podcast on pushing through and transforming even when you feel like a pile of ash. Well, lately I've been doing some interviews on a series that I've called You're Not Alone, because I really kept hearing more and more from my patients that they were going through something and they felt like they were the only one going through that. And of course I knew they weren't, but because of confidentiality, I couldn't share a lot about that. So I thought my podcast would be a great place to be able to reach out to people and have a forum to share with one another what we're going through and what has helped different people to survive different uh, traumas and things in their life that have just been really difficult. Well, today I'm really excited because we have a holistic psychologist with us and her name is Dr. Debbie Silber. And I hope I'm pronouncing that correct. It's very much like the color silver, but with a B instead of the V. So that's how you can remember that. She's the founder of the Post-Betrayal Transformation Institute, and she also has TEDx Talks, and I've gone online and listened to these, and they are very, very interesting and practical and useful for someone who has been betrayed, and what do you do with that, and what do you do with all those feelings, and are you ever going to come out on the other side? Are you ever going to be like the person you were before? Well, Dr. Silber has some wonderful thoughts on that. And she's done so much studying about it and has discovered so many things, kind of reminded me of Brene Brown in a way of how she was studying her topics on shame and vulnerability and some things she discovered. So Dr. Silber, welcome to Phoenix and Flame. Thank you so much. And and call me Debbie, please. And it is such an honor to be compared to Brene Brown. And I've heard so many times, Debbie, you're like the Brene Brown of betrayal. (laughs) And I'll take it. I'll take it. (laughs) She's, Brene Brown's wonderful. And really, truly watching you talk and listening to everything that you had to say, you are very practical, like Brene Brown is. I think that's one reason why people like her is that what she has to say, we're like, yes, I know what that feels like. I have been there. And then what she says is something that actually works. It's not just, doesn't just sound good in a book or into a microphone. It actually works. And I felt the same way when I was listening to you. Uh, doing your TEDx talk and then going and and reading and watching your different things that you had on your website. So tell us about betrayal. Like why does it hurt and who does it impact and what does it create and all that kind of thing? Absolutely. And betrayal is, it's a very different type of trauma, not to say one's better or worse. They, they all stink. Right. But they do. Betrayal is very different. And that was actually one of the discoveries I'm happy to, to share, you know, think about it. This was the person, these were the people you trusted the most. So when this is the person, these are the people to shatter that very trust. It's traumatizing. If the person we trusted the most proves untrustworthy, who do we trust? The ones we run to when other people are causing harm are the ones causing the harm. Where do we go? So it shakes us up physically, mentally, emotionally, because this was our sense of safety and security. And without our awareness or consent, it's been shattered. Oh my, that is so true. 
and it's just like like you said, where do you go? And the the trust, that's what I hear a lot in my private practice is once that trust has been shattered to bits, it really causes relationship issues moving forward. Oh, 100%. And you know, people ask me all the time, can trust be repaired? I say no. Can it be rebuilt? 100%, but it takes a tremendous amount of work. And I look at trust like a brick wall. And the only way I know of a brick wall being built is brick by brick by brick, right? And it's the same with trust. Every opportunity someone has to show that they're trustworthy, that's one brick in that brick wall. So it can take a long time to build. Now imagine the very person who built that brick wall comes along, destroys the whole thing. The person whose trust has been shattered can look at the rubble of bricks and say, I don't have the least bit of interest in watching that thing get rebuilt. Totally fine. They walk away. However, if they are willing to watch the brick wall be rebuilt, that would be their job in that scenario. If they want to, they don't have to. That would be their responsibility. And the person who shattered the brick wall has to be a really good bricklayer. And it goes up the same way it went up the first time, brick by brick by brick. Every opportunity they have to show that they're trustworthy, one brick in that brick wall. Oh, wow. That, I love visuals. You know, I've said before, I'm such a visual person and I love analogies and that's a wonderful visual. I think what I hear sometimes what people saying is that they're wanting that other person to begin to build that brick wall back sometimes, you know, sometimes they just like, uh, ain't nobody got time for that. I'm out of here deuces. Okay. Because life is complicated. You know, let's say children are involved and they're thinking, okay, my heart has been blown to bits, but yet here's my children and I'm thinking about them and their future. And so I'm going to try to stand here and be a witness to this wall being built back. It's sometimes hard when the other person doesn't seem very interested in putting the bricks back or they start to put the bricks back but then they falter they halt and they get slow and so then you're wondering are they really interested in building this wall back or are they not well and let's just take this analogy even that much further now imagine the person really doesn't show that they have a big interest in putting the brick wall back uh, back up again so the person whose trust has been shattered right the person who's been betrayed they're like okay forget it i'll do it now how in the world can they ever feel safe can they ever feel can they ever feel valued when here the trust was shattered and they're the one doing the repairs, it happens all the time, all the time. And when we do not feel safe and valued and we keep going back for more, it's it's really a recipe for disaster. You know, there were actually three groups in the study who did not heal and happy to talk about what that looks like too. And even all of the discoveries. So this way we can have a whole context for where all this came from. That'd be fantastic. I mean, whatever you feel, you know, that you want to share to give us that context. Yeah, sure. And well, you know, think about it. It's actually my 30th year in business. And as life would morph and change, so would so would business. So I started in health and then mindset and then personal development. And then I had a really painful betrayal from my family and thought I did everything I needed to do to heal. And then it happened a few years later, this time it was my husband. So blindsided, devastated, anybody who's been through it, you, you know, they know the feeling. And I got him out of the house because that was the deal breaker. And I was like, okay, what's similar to these two experiences? Of course me, but what else? And I looked at the two experiences and realized, you know, boundaries were always getting crossed. I never took my needs seriously. I always put myself last. If nothing changes, nothing changes, you know? So I made this bold decision for me. And I said, you know, that's it. I'm going back for a PhD. 
in transpersonal psychology, the psychology of transformation and human potential, because I was changing so much, I didn't quite understand it. He was too on his own, wasn't ready to look at that yet. Now here I was, four kids, six dogs, a thriving business, and I didn't know how I was gonna pay for it. I didn't know how I was gonna manage the time, but I knew something big had to change. And it was really, for me, the first thing I had ever done for myself, like a big thing like that. So then it was time to do a study and I studied betrayal. What holds us back? What helps us heal? And what happens to us physically, mentally, and emotionally when the people closest to us lie, cheat, and deceive. That study led to three groundbreaking discoveries which changed my health, my family, my business, my life. Okay, all right. So originally I was studying betrayal and post-traumatic growth because I, I'm such a believer in the upside of something, right? So for those who aren't familiar with post-traumatic growth, I look at it as, you know, imagine an upside of trauma, how that trauma, death of a loved one, disease, natural disaster, whatever it is, leaves you with a new awareness, insight, perspective you didn't, you didn't have. So maybe you lose someone you love and you realize life is short, like that kind of thing. Right. But I had been through death of a loved one and I'd actually been through disease. And I was like, no, betrayal is very different. But I didn't want to assume it was the same for everyone. So I asked everybody, if you've been through other traumas besides betrayal, is it different for you? And hands down, unanimously, every single person said, oh my gosh, it's so different. And here's why. Because it feels so intentional, we take it so personally. So the whole self is shattered and has to be rebuilt. Think about it. Rejection, abandonment, belonging, confidence, worthiness, trust, they're shattered. So it didn't quite qualify as post-traumatic growth. It was like, yes, you, re you rebuild your life, but you also have to rebuild yourself. So I coined a new term, post-betrayal transformation. That is the complete and total rebuild of your life and yourself after an experience with betrayal. So that was the first discovery. Oh my gosh. So I was wondering, can you maybe help us understand, since we're talking about betrayal and how that happens and what it feels like, what are the five stages? Yeah. So that was, and that was for me, that was the most exciting of the discoveries. And well, I could share the second one for, well, no, I'll share the five stages and we could get to the second discovery. This was the third discovery. And for, this was so exciting because what we learned was while we can stay stuck for years, decades, a lifetime, and so many people do, if we're going to fully heal, fully heal to that place of post-betrayal transformation, we're going to go through five now proven predictable stages. And what's even more exciting about that is now we even know what happens physically, mentally, and emotionally at every one of those stages. And we know what we need to do to move from one stage to the next. Why is that good? healing is entirely predictable. This is very exciting. I mean, so I'm happy to share the five stages if that serves. And this is what we, you know, we certify our coaches and practitioners in the five stages. This is what we teach within the PBT Institute. I talk about it in trust again, but here's distilled version of the five stages. Okay. So stage one, this is before it happens. So if you can imagine four legs of a table, the four legs being physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. What I saw with everybody was a real heavy lean on the physical and the mental thinking and doing, and kind of neglecting the emotional and the spiritual feeling and being. So if you imagine a table with only two legs, it's easy for that table to topple over, right? That's us. And that was, it's not to say if you're busy thinking and doing, you'll be betrayed, but that was the profile I saw. Stage two, 
by far the scariest of all of the stages. Shock, D-Day, Discovery Day. And this is the breakdown of the body, the mind, and the worldview. Right here, you've ignited the stress response. You're headed for every single stress-related symptom, illness, condition, disease. Your mind is in a complete state of chaos and overwhelm. You cannot wrap your mind around the information you just learned. At that point, do you feel like the, the mind gets thrust into any kind of a fight or flight? Oh, 100%. Right here. Shock. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And your worldview has been shattered. Your mental model, the rules that govern you that prevent chaos, don't go there. This person's safe. This is how life works in one moment or series of moments. Every rule you've known to be real, real and true is no longer. The bottom is bottomed out and a new bottom hasn't been formed yet. So it's terrifying. So you're like a free fall. Yeah, that's it. Exactly. But think about it. If the bottom were to bottom out on you, what would you do? You'd grab hold of anything and everything you could to stay safe and stay alive. And that's stage three. Survival instincts emerge. It's the most practical out of all of the stages. If you can't help me, get out of my way. How do I survive this experience? Where do I go? Who can I trust? How do I feed my kids? Right? It's practical. Here's the trap. Stage three is by far the most common place to get stuck. And here's why. And you know, so many of your patients, it, when you're hearing this, you will, you will know why they are in stage three. Once you've figured out how to survive your experience, because it feels so much better than the shock and trauma of where you just came from, you think it's good. And because we don't know there's anywhere else to go, we don't know there's a stage four or stage five. Transformation doesn't even begin until stage four. But because we don't know that, we think this is where we need to kind of plant roots, right? We're not supposed to, but then four things happen. We plant roots here, four things happen. The first thing is we start getting these small self benefits. You get to be right. You get your story. You get someone to blame. You get a target for your anger. You get sympathy from everybody you tell your story to. You don't have to do the hard work of learning to trust again. Can I trust you? Should I trust you? I ah, forget it. I'm not trusting anybody. So you plant deeper roots. You're not supposed to. You don't know that. And now that you're here longer than you should be, now the mind starts doing things like, well, maybe you deserved it. Maybe you're not all that great. Maybe this, maybe that. So you plant deeper roots. Now, because these are the thoughts you're thinking and you're here a while, like energy attracts like energy. So now you call circumstances and people and relationships towards you to confirm, yep, this is where you belong. The misery loves company crowd, they come around now too, right? So you plant deeper roots, it gets worse, but I'll get you out of here. Because it feels so bad, but you don't know there's anywhere else to go, right here you resign yourself. You're like, this stinks but I better find a way to be okay with this. So right here, you start using food, drugs, alcohol, work, TV, keeping busy, reckless behavior, anything to numb, avoid, and distract yourself from what's so painful to feel or face. So think about this. You do this for a day, a week, a month. It's a habit now, right? 10 years, 20 years. And I can honestly see someone 20 years out and say, that drinking you're doing, that emotional eating you're doing, that numbing in front of the TV you're doing, do you think that has anything to do with your betrayal? And they would look at me like I'm crazy. And they would say, happened 20 years ago. All they did was put themselves in stage three and stay there. Does that make sense? Yes, they're stuck there. 
but they don't know they're stuck. They don't know they're, they're so stuck. That was why trust again talks about the five stages. But since I found everybody getting stuck in stage three from Harden to heal, the book that just came out is only for stage three, like stage three years, I'm coming for you because you owe it to yourself to do something good with something bad. You've been through the worst of it already, but they don't know they're stuck there. If you're willing to let go of all those small self-benefits, grieve more than the last bunch of things you need to do, you move to stage four. Stage four is finding and adjusting to a new normal. So here's where you acknowledge, I can't undo my experience, but I control what I do with it. Right here, when you've made that decision, you start turning down the stress response. You're not healing just yet, but you just stopped the massive damage you were creating in stages two and stage three. What also happens is, you know, I always use the example of if you were to move, if you were to move to a new house, office, condo, apartment, you don't necessarily take everything with you. You don't take the things that don't represent who you want to be in your new space. You're settling into that new space. Just in that mental mindset, you're calming down the stress response. But what's so interesting also is what I found, if your friends weren't there for you, you don't take them with you right here going from stage three to stage four here's where you've outgrown them if they don't rise they don't come and it happens all the time where people say what the heck i've had these friends 10 20 30 years is it me yes it is you're undergoing a transformation and if they can't support you or be there for you in the way you need you don't have the patience you don't tolerate that anymore then let me toss in here what do you think about like sometimes i know people that have been betrayed by a spouse and they will find other women who have also been betrayed by their spouse in some kind of way because they're looking for affirmation. They're looking for, for comfort. You know, let's get together because you, I feel like you know how I feel. And so they'll form groups and they'll come together and they'll get really close and they'll, you know, meet and they'll go out to eat. In light of what you're just saying, what do you think if perchance if someone who's listening is in, is enjoying one of those groups and the, the support of those groups, mm-hmm but they're kind of, they're listening to you and you're yeah. maybe wanting to move forward. Mm-hmm. But is there a possibility that there's some people, even in that support group that they just kind of like to kind of roll around in stage three and they want other people to roll around in stage three with them. And they're not really interested and they're not, they're not encouraging someone to go to a stage four. Maybe they don't even know there's a stage four. That's it. And I love that you brought that up because even the study found that support is crucial, but the wrong support does more harm than good. And and I looked at a lot of the support that's out there and you don't belong if you start to heal. And that's the challenge. Within the PBT Institute, we have tremendous support from our community, but it's all to lift and inspire. It's very different. It's not the ain't it awful club where someone's like, this happened to me. Oh, you think that's bad? This happened to me. We don't allow or support that. That's not what it's about because that holds you back. This is all about moving through the stages and you can't move through the stages if you risk losing your, you know, your people if you heal. You need support pulling you forward and the right type of support. So I found that consistently and the research proved it that, you know, that support is crucial. But yes, if you are hanging out with just people and spending time with people who are have a vested interest in staying stuck, you need to recognize that because that's where they'll stay and they'll have all kinds of things to say about you doing your healing. And if you're not strong enough mentally, emotionally at that point. And it's hard to be because we're in a fragile state. We assume everybody knows better than us. 
easy to slip right back, easy to slip right back. So we've had easily 50,000 people take our post-betrayal syndrome quiz uh, to see to what extent they're struggling. I'm going to talk about that too, but we know what people need and we know what doesn't work and what keeps them stuck. So be very careful if you're, um, even if you're working with someone who isn't highly skilled in helping someone move through betrayal, it can do way more harm than good. We actually have one of our coaches who's finishing up her her certification and she's coming into the Institute and she'll be teaching her specialty. Everybody has a specialty within the Institute. Hers is therapy trauma because it's so common. We see it all the time. Getting back to the stages, you know, I'm looking at your face and I can see I'm freaking out a little bit. <laughs> I'm hearing you. I mean, I totally understand because I have had other, you know, patients of mine come in and when you talk about therapy trauma, you know, going to a yeah. therapist and feeling like you've been traumatized because the therapist maybe doesn't have the background or the understanding or the experience or whatever, that is a real thing. Oh, it's huge. And that's why, you know, I, I, we really do as much as we want to certify people to work within the Institute. It's so, you know, they clearly understand the five stages and can truly somebody, you know, somebody, a, a doctor, a coach, a healer, a therapist, a counselor, whatever, a psychologist, psychiatrist can know the five stages and truly support someone in moving through. When you're, um, you're in stage four, you're making it cozy, you're making it mentally home, you move into the fifth most beautiful stage. And this is healing, rebirth, and a new worldview. The body starts to heal, self-love, self-care, eating well, exercise, things like that. You didn't have the bandwidth earlier for that. You were surviving, now you do. Your mind is healing. You're making new rules, new boundaries based on the road you just traveled. And you have a new worldview based on what you see so clearly now. And the four legs of the table, in the beginning, it was just all about the physical and the mental. By this point, we're solidly grounded because we're focused on the emotional and the spiritual too. Those are the five stages. Wow, that's awesome. And you know, I think a lot of people discount the impact on the body. I've mentioned a book before, The Body Keeps the Score by Bessel van der Kolk. I mean, that I, I love that book. And it really kind of brings it home that we hold traumas in our body because some people they're like, well, what does physical have to do with it? It has a lot. And I will share with you just, you just led me in so perfectly to the, the other discovery because you will see clearly how it lodges in the body when it comes to specifically betrayal. So this was the other discovery. So this is the third discovery. And what we learned was there's actually a collection of symptoms, physical, mental, and emotional, so common to betrayal. It's now known as post-betrayal syndrome. So we've had 50,000 people take our post-betrayal syndrome quiz on our site to see to what extent they're struggling. Every few months I pull the stats and I'm happy to share them with you. Oh, that'd be wonderful. Okay, so now imagine, figure forty-five to fifty thousand people, men, women, every you know, every age, and almost every country represented. Ready? Seventy-eight percent constantly revisit their experience. Eighty-one percent feel a loss of personal power. Eighty percent are hyper vigilant. Ninety-four percent deal with painful triggers. These are the most common physical symptoms. Ready? 71% have low energy. 68% have sleep issues. 63% have extreme fatigue. So you wake up, you're exhausted. Those are your adrenals that have tanked. 47% have weight changes. So you can, uh, you know, in the beginning, maybe you can't hold food down. 
Later on, you use food for comfort. 45% have a digestive issue. Anything from Crohn's, IBS, diverticulitis, constipation, diarrhea, you name it. So here's the thing. Someone can go to the most well-meaning, amazing gut doctor, but if that gut doctor isn't familiar with what betrayal causes, they're just hacking away at the symptoms. Okay, most common mental symptoms. Mentally, 78% are overwhelmed, 70% walking around in a state of disbelief, 68% are unable to focus, 64% are in shock, 62% can't concentrate. So you can't concentrate, you're exhausted, you have a gut issue, and you're supposed to work, raise your kids, whatever. That's not even the emotional ones. Emotionally, 88% experience extreme sadness. 83% are very angry. And you know how possible it is to bounce back and forth between those two. That's debilitating. 82% feel hurt. 80% have anxiety. 79% are stressed. So just a few more. 84, this is why I wrote the book Trust again. 84% have an inability to trust. 67% prevent themselves from forming deep relationships because they're afraid of being hurt again. 82% find it hard to move forward. 90% want to move forward, but they don't know how. Wow. You know, if somebody came into therapist's office or doctor's office, but I will focus on therapy. And if the therapist isn't very good and doesn't really take the time to learn the story and find right. out what is what are the underpinning components of these symptoms that are on the surface, they might say, oh, you have major depressive disorder. And right. they wouldn't necessarily be wrong in a sense, but that's not the core. You know, yeah. I like to tell my patients when I'm talking to them, you know, I'm getting to know you. I'm finding out your whole story and I want to know what the root ball is, because you know what? If you had a weed growing in your garden, we could go out there and we could cut it off at the mulch. And every two weeks you could go out there and cut it and cut it and cut it. But if you leave that root ball in the ground. It's just mm -hmm. going to keep growing back and growing back and growing back and growing back. And it's going to be annoying. You have to get the root ball of exactly. what what is the feeder system of all of these symptoms. And that's what I hear you saying. People that have gone through a betrayal, you know, has this plethora of, of these weed leaves coming up that other people are misunderstanding. They don't know what the root ball is. Exactly. And then think about it. There's, it's like this, it becomes this one big game of whack-a-mole, you know, so let's say there's weight gain, they, and then they're trying to, you know, just go on a diet or lose weight and then they can't sleep. So they're taking something for their sleep and then they're anxious. And maybe the doctor prescribes mood stabilizers or anti-anxiety medications. But when you look at what's driving it, it's betrayal. And the thing is, what's so interesting about, you know, even on the quiz, there's a question that reads, is there anything else you'd like to share? Now, here's what's so interesting. We've all been taught time heals all wounds. I have the proof that when it comes to betrayal, that's not true. People write things like, my betrayal happened 35 years ago and I'm unwilling to trust. My betrayal happened 15 years ago. It feels like it happened yesterday. So we know it's so consistent with that stage three. Mm -hmm. We know that it could be someone is living a life with physical symptoms, mental and emotional, affecting everything about their day, affecting who they spend their time with, what they do, what they don't do because of what someone said or did. It could be decades ago. Oh, I mean, 100% because we're talking about trauma. And, you know, we yep. know that trauma sits in the part of the brain, in the limbic system, the hippocampus, you know, that area, the amygdala. Well, that area has no sense of time. And so right. that's why we get triggered. 
So when that younger part of ourself that's sitting in that, you know, that damaged part of ourself, that traumatized part that's sitting in the limbic system in our brain, when we get triggered, that younger self reacts. And it can't say, oh, well, this is 2022. This particular individual is not the one that betrayed me 30 years ago. That part of our brain has no ability to say that. Yeah. Although I will tell you, that is one of the classic signs of an unhealed betrayal is a repeat betrayal. We see it in health and work and relationships. So in relationships, I'll see it in one of two ways. The first way is in that repeat betrayal. You keep going from partner to partner to partner or friend to friend to friend, boss to boss to boss. And you say, what the heck? Is it me? Yes, it is. Not in that it's your fault, in that it's your opportunity. There's a profound lesson waiting to be learned. Maybe that you are lovable, worthy, deserving. You need better boundaries in place, whatever it is for you. Until and unless you get that, you will keep having opportunities in the form of people to teach you. Like, look at my example. Here it was my family, right? And then it was my husband. And then I was like, okay, that's it. And for me, enrolling in this PhD program was the most drastic thing I could have done, but it completely changed my life and everybody, you know, and my family and everything. And and just to sort of close the loop on that, what I would say is, you know, and what I've learned personally and within the PBT Institute, we see it all the time. Healing is always a choice, whether you rebuild yourself and move on. And that's what I did with my family. It wasn't an option to rebuild with them. Or if the situation lends itself, if you're willing, if you want to, you rebuild something entirely new from the ground up new with the person who hurt you. That's what I did with my husband. Not long ago as two totally different people, we married each other again. New rings, new vows, new dress. Four kids is our bridal party. But, and here's the thing though, people are so afraid of that complete and utter death and destruction of the old, but that is the only way you can birth something new. What I see so often is there's so much fear whatever the reason is, and they just try to patch it up, patch it up, patch it up. Actually, and I mentioned this earlier, there were three groups in the study who did not heal. Right. One group, this was the group where they just refused to accept their betrayal. They had their story, they were sticking with it. The second group, this was the group where they were numbing, avoiding, distracting. So maybe it was a bit easier to get through the day, not without a price. And the third group, this was the group where the betrayer had very little consequences. So whether it was out of religious reasons, that was a big one, financial fear, not wanting to break up a family, whatever, uh, they just tried to turn the other cheek, put it behind them. I saw two things with this group. Number one, a further deterioration of the relationship. And number two, this group by far was the most physically ill. Really? Your broken heart can't handle that. But people are afraid of that death and destruction. But like I said, that is the only way to birth the new, the birth of the new you, birth of the new collective you, whatever. You can't see that. Like even in my experience, that was the deal breaker. It was over. Painful, horrible, but it was over. And I was like, okay, I wasn't counting on being a single mom and doing this all by myself, but it's just painful. And here I go. It was with that expectation of just, I'm just going to heal. I have no idea no idea what it's going to look like. I'm just getting out of this somehow. I'm going to heal from this. And I just remember thinking to myself, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but if I heal, I'm taking everybody with me. (laughs) Well, listening (laughs) to you explain all of this and about how people have to get to the place where they are willing to just let the total destruction happen. It kind of reminds me in a way, as you were talking, and I explained before I'm a visual person, 
And I'm thinking of the name of my podcast, Phoenix and Flame. And I'm thinking about how the Phoenix literally burns to ash. And then out of the ash comes the next bird, the next Phoenix rises literally from the ash that was created from the prior Phoenix. It has to be ash for the new one to be born. Exactly. And, and what I see as someone is moving through the stages, you know, betrayal lends itself to really creating an entirely new identity. You take all the parts of you that you love, you leave behind everything that doesn't serve. And what I see when we have members in our community who move through like stage four and they're at stage five, they are so different because they've rebuilt themselves. They've recreated themselves. There's a version of them that is so healthy, so healed, so strong, so confident that they never would have had the ability to meet had they not gone through their experience. That's trauma well served. Wow. That's wonderful. And, and really remembering something that you said earlier, I would imagine those individuals that you're talking about really have to kind of reevaluate their social circles because some yeah. people are going to be very encouraging and rah, rah and go, go. And I imagine there's still going to be other people that are like, I don't like this. I don't like this change in you and I'm not going to support it. And I'm not, you know, this kind of thing, which would be discouraging to someone who's trying to come up out of the ashes. Well, that's why transformation is a very personal process. Doesn't have to be a lonely process. Uh, you, you know, you need the right type of support, but it's entirely personal. You know, think of the caterpillar and the butterfly, the, the example of transformation. Caterpillar puts itself into this cocoon, right? Think about it, dies to the life it's known, hangs itself from a branch in order to die to the life it's known, is willing to be deconstructed, emulsified, unrecognizable from anything it was. Only because it went through that process does it get to be the butterfly. Caterpillar can't just stick a pair of wings on, say I'm a butterfly now right? But it's in that grueling, hard process. I'm not going to lie. You know, we have a, a saying within the community and I talk about it in From Hardened uh, to Healed and it's face it, feel it, heal it. A lot of people don't want to do that. Facing it is uncomfortable. They'd rather numb, avoid, distract, but that keeps you set and glued to stage three. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. That caterpillar butterfly example is, that's wonderful. So I'm wondering, as we're kind of wrapping up, if, if there's anything, uh, any last words of wisdom that you would like to share with any of my listeners out there that are really just tuning in and thinking, oh, my gosh, she's talking about me. She's talking about my life. You know, what what yeah. last words would you, you know that you'd like to share? You know, I would just share this, that first of all, uh, and if you have to say this a million times to yourself, it's worth it. Even though it happened to you, it's not about you. That's the first thing. And the second thing I would really say is I didn't do anything anyone else couldn't do. But the beauty is now there's a roadmap. So if you if you find that you're in stage two or stage three, you owe it to yourself just to move through the stages. See the version of you that's waiting to be birthed. Well, Debbie, thank you so much. And I was trying to capture along the way you have. And, I'll, and by the way, listeners, I will put all of this in the show notes. So you have one book called Trust Again, and then another one, the newest one, From Hardened to Heal. Right, right. So, and actually, this is my sixth book, but Trust Again maps out the four-step uh, four trust rebuilding process, the five stages, all of it's in there. But when I found that so many people were getting stuck 
in stage three, that's when I wrote From Hardened to Healed. Okay, that is wonderful. And of course, anybody they want to go to, it's the pbtinstitute.com. That is an amazing website. It's so beautiful. It's it's so well presented and formative and helpful. I went there myself, like I said, there's quizzes, you know, like you mentioned earlier, I took one myself. And by the way, listeners, it, it's not going to take you half an hour to take this quiz. It says four to five minutes on there, and it truly is just four to five minutes. It's very informative. And that's the uh, post-betrayal syndrome quiz, the healedorhardenedquiz.com. That'll take less than a minute, but you'll know exactly what stage you're in. Oh, wow. Well, and the, the quizzes are so helpful and they're so useful. And then you have so many resources that are available because someone can take a quiz and go, okay, well, this says this about me. Well, that's interesting. What do I do about that? And so yeah. your your website, you know, has so much, you know, resources available to people that they can turn to and say, okay, now this is, this is my next step. This is my yeah. next step. This yeah. is what I can do. And, you know, and thank you. And even though that that website is helpful, the community, the PBT Institute itself, where people go to do the deep learning, I mean, what we have going on in there, we have our certified coaches and practitioners teaching classes every day. We have running classes going all day long. Our uh, self-paced program, I'm in the programs, I'm in there doing Q&A. We have the most amazing forums where there's so much support and community, and we bring in experts to teach master classes. There's um, there's nothing like it. Wow. Well, Debbie, thank you so much for joining me and taking your time and your effort to come and share with the listeners of Phoenix and Flame. I'm sure that there's many, many out there that have just listened and hanging on your words and are so thankful for everything you had to share. But thank you so oh, much for joining me. Thank you for the opportunity. Well, if you've heard anything today that is helpful, and I know that you have, then I would appreciate if you would share it on your favorite social media platform, uh, whatever that may be, Instagram, Facebook, go on LinkedIn, whatever goes on and on, to spread the word, to, to get other people to know about what, uh, what Debbie has to share and how helpful that is. And I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. This is Dana on Phoenix and Flame.